If you're considering using Facebook and Instagram ads as part of your marketing strategy, or perhaps you're already using them and are after some advice, today's episode is for you. I'm Minnie McBride. I'm delighted to be joined today by CJ at Vibing Social. She's a meta ad specialist extraordinaire, and she's joined me for a chat about what's working right now in 2023. So let's dive in. Cracking Copy is a marketing and copywriting podcast where we lift the lid on writing for business and read between the lines of effective copy. This is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs and savvy business owners like you who understand the value that great copy can bring to their bottom line. We dive into a different aspect of writing for business in each episode, debunk the myths about how we should write and explore the ways that writing can be fun, conversational and creative, while also being high impact for serious results. So listen, laugh and learn with us, Ella Hoyos and Minnie McBride, as we share our words and wisdom in each snack-sized episode. Expect some light bulb moments, interesting guests and practical takeaways as we crack the copy code together. So I'd like today to welcome CJ from Vibing Social, who is a meta ad specialist. That's Facebook and Instagram. And really happy to have her along really to talk to me about best practice for creating an ad strategy. Welcome, CJ. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining us. And I would really like to know a bit about your background and your story to start with, Um, how you've ended up specialising in meta. How? How? I ask myself that question every day. Um, No, I love it. Um, My background is actually psychology. So people, whenever they follow me on socials or they work with me, they know a lot of what I talk about is rooted in psychology. So marketing psychology specifically. And so I worked as a psychologist for a few years, but Due to various reasons, I was commuting kind of three hours a day. Uh, The job basically just wasn't for me anymore. So I left and I took myself off traveling. And and whilst I was traveling in in South America, I worked with quite a lot of, or not worked, I volunteered with quite a lot of small businesses that were trying to grow their football with social media. So I worked with them on an organic basis, just kind of messing around. But I was learning quite a lot as I went along. Um, And then when I got back to the UK, um, I actually started a travel blog whilst I was away and then increased that when I got back and it grew quite quickly and I did all the organic socials for that. Um, so I learned through doing basically. Um, yeah. But then when I was also managing client accounts, I was kind of engaging on Instagram and, and Facebook kind of at 10 o'clock at night and I just I didn't want to do that. I didn't want that in terms of my work-life balance. So I decided um, to join a couple of like membership groups and one of those was for ads and I got introduced to it um, and I started running ads for clients about four years ago now, I think, three or four years ago. And I did really well, really quickly. I got recommended um, to a lot of different clients. And then it kind of grew from there, basically. So I work primarily with e-commerce businesses. I'm not industry specific. I guess it actually depends on who recommends me because they tend to recommend me within their industry. So I've worked with children's wear, baby brands, eco brands, jewellery, you name it, I've probably done it. <laughs> no, it's interesting, though, that, that you've niched down. But I suppose, as you say, get recommended. So it kind of happens yeah. by default, doesn't it? It does. And also I'm such a big, it's probably the psychology, um, psychologist in me. I'm such a big data geek. Like I love looking at numbers. And when you're running ads for e-com, there is nothing better than seeing the numbers go up when your sales go up for your clients. So 
um, yeah, I, I love working on e-com. And this is such a big topic mm. and difficult to sort of take ads away from an equation of sales because they are part of the sales funnel in a in an integrated marketing strategy. So yeah. they're playing just a part in that. And yeah. you know, from from my perspective as a copywriter, even before I would start writing, there's a whole ton of stuff that that I would do in advance. So understanding the funnel, the you know, what is the ultimate goal, finding out the messages, mapping out those messages based on awareness for, you know, retargeting. So there's just a lot of work that goes on uh, behind the scenes. And so I was interested to know that at what point you would join a client's campaign. Mm. Um, it really depends on the client in terms of why they want to use ads. Um, I always say that ads are not the golden bullet. They're not going to give you the sales. If you're not selling organically, ads aren't going to going to help you. Uh, when I work with clients in a management capacity and I onboard them, we have a really big strategy session. And that is everything. That's looking at their website. That's looking at their organic socials. That it's looking at their messaging, their audience avatars. Because ads like you say only play one part of that whole ecosystem and you've got to take into account that wider system when you're running ads yes in terms of understanding the whole picture you of course it's it's everything about who their competitors are you know everything and I think that's the same it's interesting that you know that it's just part of a yeah, much bigger picture and yeah definitely and I think I think a lot of people make the mistake to think that ads work on their own and if you've got really good copy and really good creative then your ads are going to work really well for you but ultimately all your ads can do is hopefully stop the scroll but then when people leave your ad and go onto the website it's then the website's job really to convert that person so if your checkout process is clunky or um you know the 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 copy on the website isn't quite right or you don't have a best sellers category and the categories are off on the website then you're not going to get that sale it doesn't matter how many retargeting ads that you show that person so you've got you've definitely got to look at the wider picture and and the longer that I've worked in the ads the more I've expanded my network of people that I work with in terms of conversion rate optimization specialist, email marketing specialist. You know, I know I know some of that because I have to, but I'm not a specialist in those different areas, which is why when I work with clients, I suggest bringing those other people in as well so we can make sure that the whole thing works together. So it's actually a much bigger... Huge. Yeah, it, but then, then, yeah. then you, would, you would think, which is... Yeah, yeah exactly. And I think any, any advertiser or marketer worth their weight in gold knows that it's never just about the ads it's it's about the wider picture you know one of the first questions that I ask when I onboard a client or before I onboard a client is what their conversion rate is because if they've got a really low conversion rate on their website no amount of ads is going to help improve that conversion rate so we need to sort that out before we start putting money behind the ads yeah so you need to get an SEO specialist yeah etc in order to yeah to deal with that yeah you know, it's an expensive exercise, isn't it? If it, particularly if you're a smaller company, but you want to get more awareness, mm, it can be, especially in terms of management. You know, um, I'm very aware that my management fees aren't aren't the lowest out there, and um, they're certainly not the highest either. But you're right; it is an investment. But it's like anything with your business. Marketing is an investment, um, and I I mean I've seen it and I've done it. You know, as long as all of your ducks are in a row. Um, and everything is working well, then Facebook and Instagram advertising can explode a business sales or leads or whatever they're optimizing for. I wanted to touch on the iOS update 
um, yeah. back in August 21. And I know loads of businesses that have struggled with, you know, return on their ad spend and stuff in on the on on the meta platforms particularly sorry listeners that don't know basically what this apple update did was it limited facebook ad functions and it's tracking and so i'm interested to know from your perspective kind of what happened it was a nightmare it was, i try not to think about those days too much because when it first came out um and it lasted for a good few years i would say now we're coming into a really nice spot with ads but it was really tough because essentially you would get the little thing that popped up on your app saying, you know, can this app track your data? And in the beginning, only one or two percent of people were opting in. Yes, you can track my data. I mean, that's steadied out at about 10 percent, but still only 10 percent of people were allowing us to have access to their data. And what that meant, especially for smaller businesses, is that we then couldn't track whether people were coming to our website and what they were doing on our website. And that sort of stuff is what we need to send retargeting ads to people to say, hey, you left this in your basket or we saw you checking us out. And and that really impacted smaller businesses and, and bigger ones, but mainly the smaller ones. And it was it was really tough. Um, we had to shift things, we had to move things around and we had to go with different strategies. But up until I would say a few months ago, ads were really, really hard for a lot of businesses. And I, I saw a lot pull their ad spend completely because it just wasn't worth it, you know? So what's different now then? Because you mentioned that there's now a bit a bit of a sweeter spot now. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't particularly want to be tracked. So yeah. I probably, I can't even remember now, but if someone said to me, do you want to be tracked? I'd be like, no, actually, I, yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's like you, you say that, and I think a lot of people have also said that, obviously their numbers reflect it, but that doesn't mean that you don't get ads. You do still get ads in your feed. They're just not tailored to you. That's the difference. So, But I, I think a lot of people didn't know that. They were just very kind of like, ah, no, I don't want to be tracked. Um, so much has changed now. So obviously Facebook brought in all these setup steps where um, one of those setup steps was implementing something called the CAPI or the CAPI. Um, I won't go into it too much because it's quite techy, but basically it was a way to get um, hold of people's data a different way sounds completely illegal but it's not it is legal it's just we got access to your data on the server side rather than the browser side so that really helped us claw back some of the data that we were missing which really helped obviously the ads and the personalization of them and then there was a huge shift towards broad targeting which means we didn't actually need access to that much data in order to do broad targeting and meta brought in um, these campaigns called advantage shopping plus which are hugely effective because they just work on board targeting and Facebook works out who to show your ads to. And then literally in the last two days, Facebook now turned around to us and said, actually, things have got so much better. We we can scrap some of these setup steps now and you don't need to verify your domain. And you don't need to prioritize events anymore. Um, and that shows to me that we're on the cusp of coming back to something actually quite exciting. And I've seen it in my client accounts, like things are just so much easier now which is lovely <laughs> no no that's really encouraging because you know I I do speak to quite a few mm. friends and you know people that I come across in business who really really struggled yeah um when it happened and literally you know their stats went through the floor you know if yeah. you're getting if you're pretty much getting everything or a lot of your leads from yeah from Facebook I mean obviously e-commerce you know the same yeah but if you're yeah. You know, I'm just trying to think from a, a service point of view as well. If you're trying to get people on your email list and create, uh, you know, a lead magnet and mm -hmm. send people to that lead magnet. Yeah. If you can't target 
it's really difficult, isn't it? Well, you can still target. You could always still target. It just means that we had less data. So whereas before, our retargeting campaigns were effective because we could retarget people in the last seven days, for example. So there are hottest leads. When the ISO 14 stuff came in, that the date, the amount of people that are in the last seven days, we only had access to 10% of them. So it was barely anyone, which meant our ads wouldn't feed out. But what we could do was target people in the last 180 days, not as effective, but that's still a pool of warm people. So, um, but yeah, there is no denying it. It, it was really hard, um, but it's nice to see that it's bouncing back, hopefully. But one of the things that we have now that they brought back in is, longer attribution windows so normally we can only see data in ads manager from the last seven days so say you interacted with my ad for mugs and then you bought eight days later your sale wouldn't come into my ads manager because it's outside of that seven days but now they've bought in 28 days attribution so i can see all the sales up until 28 days from people have interacted my ads so now we're actually getting some really good data of how effective our ads are whereas before people were like well our ads aren't working because no one's buying we're not getting sales it just that they were buying but it was outside of that seven days which again brings me back to the whole touch point thing it takes longer than seven touch points or seven days so yeah yeah so yeah. again you need to be you need to know this stuff in order to see what you're looking at otherwise you'd open ads manager and you'd be like oh this looks really bad but actually it doesn't it's fine if a campaign isn't going particularly well, perhaps, you're obviously looking at why that might be. And yeah. I'm interested to know from a copy perspective, really, you know, what makes a good ad in terms of visual and and what you're saying? Yeah, it's the whole ad for sure. But the creative, so it's a video or image or carousel, that is what's going to grab people first because that takes up the biggest chunk of their screen. That's what we're attracted to. But what is really going to seal the deal for you is the copy. So the copywriting needs to be really good. So it is the whole picture, but you have to take each one of those elements. So for me, what I always see people missing is that they're targeting loads of different people and, and different avatars, but they're not tailoring their copy for those different avatars. So and it's really important to talk to to your audiences in your ad copy. So the personalization aspect always seems to get missed, but it's really important um, and another thing really is storytelling. You know, we're sold to all the time. Like even I, who work as an advertising specialist, I'm bored of being sold to. So when I create an ad or, or write ad copy, I look at it from a storytelling perspective rather than buy this now, 50% off, you know, because we, we see that all the time. It has to stand out and you have to connect with your audience on a deeper, more emotional level than just that kind of surface level buy from us today when you can get 50% off. It goes back to the, the the classic principle of copywriting, which is, you know, one reader, one offer, and then one promise of the offer. So you have to remember that, you know, we rarely buy off the first ad we see. I read something the other day um, in an email that Whereas people have always had these kind of seven touch points for to get a sale, that was written back in the kind of 30s, 40s. Now we're looking at between 40 and 60 touch points before someone commits to a sale. So you have to remember in terms of where your ad sits in your funnel, you know, if, if it's at the top of the funnel, really the main aim of that ad is to introduce them to you and your brand. So it's not to get the sale. And I think a lot of people miss this. They think every ad they need to make sales from, but it doesn't work like that. You know, they might read the ad, 
be interested, visit your website, join your email list, check you out on socials, watch a video. Then they might get a retargeting ad. Then they might add something to their car and then they might go away. And then that funnel keeps going. So yeah, it's really important to understand where your ad sits in your funnel in terms of what copy you're you're doing. And what would you recommend in terms of testing, testing different ads? Do you do quite a bit of that as well? Do you recommend yeah. that somebody would do that? Yeah, massively. Yeah, because testing is so important. And my the kind of number one rule, again, this is probably from my background in psychology and doing statistical modeling and stuff is, is if you are doing testing, and you should be, is to always test one variable at a time. So you can have the same image across three different ads and the same headline and the same call to action, but you're testing different copy lengths, for example. So one of them could be really short and sweet. One could be medium length and one could be a long essay, a bit more about your brand. Um, And then once you work out which copy is working, you can then repeat that copy in another ad and then use a video rather than an image so then you're testing the copy your the same copy with one image and one video so it's always one variable at a time that we're testing until we can find that kind of perfect formula yeah because I was going to ask about the the sort of length of the body copy Mm. you are going to have to test and and typically at the moment do you think people are wanting to read less or does it depend on the target audience I mean I'm just wondering what your sort of general feeling is yeah I think I, time poor aren't they they're time poor so it, you know usually with sort of anything digital writing it's like we'll be snappy to the point yeah. yeah we are time poor but we will always stop and read something that we're interested in always yeah. and that is where your hook comes in so those first two lines of your copy before you click see more on the ad to read the rest of the copy they are absolutely golden that you have to make sure that that hook is right and that's when I was talking about personalization so if you're targeting um mums of school children between um 11 and 15 or 11 and 18 then you need to be talking to those people in that copy you need to talk to their pain points their worries their concerns and offer them a transformation i think there's that saying i can't remember who it's by but you know if you talk to everyone you talk to no one yeah. yeah and it's so true when it comes to your ads and i think that's why the ads that i run have been really successful is because i'm very clear on who I'm talking to because I do such a big onboarding session with my clients to begin with and um, but in terms of copy length I vary it like I'm still testing now like at the moment I'm running ads for a jewelry client and our copy length is like an essay it's really long and the client was like that's not going to work CJ and I was like well let's just try it and it's flying it's doing it's doing amazingly well better than our short copy so it's just just always got to test even if you think it's not going to work just got to keep testing in terms of like a headline as well, how often would you change that? So is it generally the copy variable that you would, the body copy variable that that you find you would change most or? Uh, it depends. So I favor changing the creative first because that's the thing that stops us. Once I've worked okay. out what creative works, then I change the copy. Once I've kind of got quite a clear idea of a, the copy and the creative that work well together, that's when I then move on to the headline and change that. But for me, headlines are they they are really important and they definitely add to it, but they they tend to be quite clear for me because that's where I'll put the USPs. So anything like, you know, um 30 day ret- free returns or uh buy one, get one free, or anything like that, or sustainable um jewelry, anything like that, I'll put in the headline. Yeah. And of course, there are variations I can do of it, but there are probably more copy variations that I could play with first. You know, there's just so much into every element of of what you're trying to do. 
And in a way, we're really lucky that we can do this testing now because, mm. um, you know, my, in the old days when I did marketing, it was really difficult. It was really yeah. difficult, you know, because everything was offline. So, yeah, yeah you know, you, yeah. Yeah, your manual, manual spreadsheets, I'm showing my age here, but, you know, it's, <laughs> but it has become much more of a science, hasn't it? And, and mm. the, it's, it's really fascinating before I forget yep. is if you're, if you don't have very much ad budget, yeah. What do you, I know what you're going to say, but what are your thoughts on on uh, boosted posts? Well, I've tempered my reaction to this because I knew you were going to ask me this. I I don't like boosted posts, and the reason I don't like boosted posts is because they just don't have the same capabilities as Ads Manager in terms of targeting. I know you can target with boosted posts, but in Ads Manager, for example, you can target a lookalike of your previous customers, which is a really powerful audience to be using. You can also choose where to put your ads. So whether it's just Instagram or Facebook or Messenger or the audience network, you can't do that when you boost. So I appreciate that is the easiest option. um, And I would love it for someone to prove me wrong, but there's rarely any tangible results that come out of boosted posts i've yeah. never seen anyone get loads of sales from boosted posts ever no that's one of the reasons i asked because i have had yeah. clients because i started off in social media management as well yeah. and i had yeah. a client that kept boosting them and i was like <laughs> she kept saying they're not working and i'm like well why are you spending the money on it you know yeah because a lot of people are like oh it's only five pounds a day it's you know or it's 10 quid here and there it's absolutely fine but you know that money adds up and if you're gonna if you're going to spend money and you want to see results, then do it in Ads Manager, definitely. But I do appreciate, you know, it's a confusing interface. It's not something that you can pick up straight away. You definitely need some training, which means investment. So, Of course. So so I've been into the uh, Meta Ads Manager because and I've and I've done Pinterest training, but Pinterest is a lot more straightforward. And, mm. you know, if I was going to do that, I would definitely need help. Yeah. So if somebody is new to doing ads but thinks that that's something that they want to do Mm. how can they when what are the options in terms of I don't know working with you how what are the difference different ways yeah I think first of all there are you can absolutely teach yourself for free like you can google there are loads of YouTube videos that people could get on with you know doing a look around ads manager and you know how to create a campaign but ads manager is always changing. You know, even this week, it is completely updated. They've removed some functions on targeting. Like it looks completely different. Mm-hmm. I've had training sessions before where I've, I've started a training session and we're do, going through the session and all of a sudden the screen is completely different than it was an hour ago when I was doing my prep. So um, it can be really confusing. So I think if you if you do kind of want to learn and from someone that's been there and done that and does it daily, I would suggest getting training, whether that's with me or another ads manager. I would suggest getting a lot of people call them power hours. I call them visit the tool shed. So it kind of book an hour and a, or an hour and a half with me to go through it all and get your training. And then then you can go off and start building your campaigns. Um, what I find with clients is that what they quite like to do is that they book the training, but they also book kind of support consulting with me. So it's a whole package because you, I don't know what the same with you, but for me, I can sit there and nod my head and say, yes, I understand what you're saying. But when I come to actually doing it, I'm like, oh, actually, this is quite confusing. So I always yeah. have to offer support. It's definitely, yeah. well, it depends how you learn, doesn't it? I definitely yeah. learn by by doing. By doing. Yeah, I'm the same. Yes. Yeah. I am looking with Ella to do uh, a course. Yeah. And one of the things we were looking at was meta ads. 
Mm. Then, you know, it's like, do you want to, do we want to invest that money? And it, and it might be that we get some training from you, but in terms of just getting our list, yeah, you know, looking more meaty. Yeah. And how many you know, would be great for you actually. It would, but, yeah. but I said, how much do you sort of allocate or do you start off and see how you go? It's cheaper to do lead gen. So if you created a dedicated sales page or landing page yeah. on or off your website and then ran ads to that, yeah. you could get away with five quid a day. Seriously? It's much, yeah, it's much cheaper to do lead gen because all you're asking for, you're not asking for a sale, you're just asking for email addresses. So when I um when I'll be launching my um course later this year, that's exactly what I'll be doing, lead gen. Okay. And how yeah. long would you run that for? You'd run that for a few weeks, would you? Just to... Yeah, I always say longer the better, because then uh, it gives Facebook more um, opportunity to optimize and find the right people for you. So your cost per lead at the beginning is probably going to be quite high because it's trying to work out who to show it to. But the longer you leave it, the cleverer it's going to get. So um, it's completely up to you in terms of your budget. But I would say at least a couple of weeks, if not a little bit longer. Okay. And you also manage obviously yeah. accounts yeah so the three areas of my business are I manage client accounts so they're um uh, kind of e-commerce clients that run Facebook and Instagram advertising so that's an, on a monthly retainer basis then I offer obviously training for people that want to get into ads and start running ads to their business and then I also offer consulting so that's kind of ongoing support so if they've had training with me or if they haven't and they just want me on hand then they can book some consulting hours and I can help them that way um, and then I'm starting to do more mass classes and workshops for people that want to do work, prefer working in a group. So I've started doing that a little bit more this year. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's what group training sessions then for people yeah. just to get started. Yeah. And it's it's a cheaper way of doing it. So I thought if I could just make it at an, a more accessible price point, um, then I thought it'd be quite a good idea for people who they want to get to add. It sounds brilliant. Well, I shall put all of your contact details um, in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming oh, along. Thank and you. Talking to me. I, I hope I haven't scared people off on ads, but there it is looking much better. It's looking much rosier now and it's, it's exciting. I feel like ads are on a cusp of how they were pre-IOSO 14, which is good. You have been listening to the Cracking Copy podcast with Ella Hoyos and Minnie McBride. Don't miss out on future episodes by making sure you hit subscribe down below to keep up with all our podcasts. And more details and resources are in our show notes. So we'll see you next time.